Good morning. Well, I have several announcements. Hopefully, we can get them all straight. We'll see. And then we have several uh, words of encouragement as well. So, special men's meeting right after assembly this morning. And uh, hopefully, it'll be very short. There's only two agenda items. Uh, depends on discussion. Uh, evening assemblies, as I shared last week, will be at the Parks home in the month of June. Uh, Drillingers are having a barbecue. Please make sure that you put it on your calendars for July 22nd. By the way, when does that barbecue start? Okay, super. So just put that whole day aside and then... <laughs> okay, so it'll be sometime after three. Good, okay. There you go. Probably a little bit after three, like four-ish or five-ish or something like that. So good. All right, barbecue, Saturday, July 22nd. Uh, G4 Summit coming up Thursday the 3rd through Saturday the 5th. Uh, uh, Don Dick, or I should say, um, Ann Dickinson invited anyone from the church here that would like to participate in the celebration of life for uh, Don. And that's going to be June 24th, June 24th at 1 p.m. their place. So, but RSVP because they will be serving food. So, also too... I think we have some birthdays today. We need to reach out to Gabe Steiner. And we need to reach out to Tanya Villegas as well. Okay, this morning. All right. So anybody else have a birthday coming up this week? All right. So there we go. We're reaching out to Gabe by song and Tanya after assembly. How's that sound? Okay, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. All right, Avery's over there clapping and screaming. I, maybe it was, he thought it was her birthday, maybe. Yeah. All right, that was a birthday wish right there, I'm sure. All right. Okay, we got some uh, words of encouragement. All right, we have one from last week as well that uh, we didn't hand out. So, Tanya Villegas, for your kindness and your generosity. Give it up for Tanya. Brenda, you bring joy to those around you, and we are so blessed to have you here. Love your passion for Christ, and love you and your family. Let's give it up for Brenda. Right, right now, Brenda. All right. I don't know about I don't know about this one. You might have a hard time with this one. All right, Brian, your message was super encouraging and convicting. You have a way of bringing the Bible stories in a way that has powerful life applications, calling us to a higher calling. Thank you for the reminder to be a hero, even to our enemies, as Christ was for us while we were yet his enemies. Let's give it up for Brian. I know Brian is a younger man, so I understand why he has so much energy, but I do appreciate your energy, Brian. It's pretty amazing. How old are you now? You don't know? You don't remember? It's age setting in. I'll be 50 in a couple of weeks. Is that right? Wow, cool. Quarter century. Or I'm sorry, half a century. 
I went to government school. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Desi. I love your hugs and your smile lights up the room. Your joyful presence is such an encouragement to me. Let's go to for Desi. All right, I love it when Desi cracks me up. Oh, it feels so good. Yes. All right. I think that's it. That's it. All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And there's one little Bible verse in there that's so, so powerful for the message this morning. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus says, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, they will pour over into your lap, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. I love it when Jesus makes statements like that, don't you? Because when he makes a statement, a promise like that, you know it's going to follow through. His follow through is perfect. But I want you to turn now to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy is so instructive and in this case so beautifully important for all of us. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have been brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and clothing or covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich and uh, fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plague them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a griefs. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning for your word. We are thankful this morning, Father, for your call to us to really be men and women who are prepared, as has been shared earlier uh, this morning, prepared for that time when you would come again. Lord, help us to set our minds on things above this morning. I pray, Father, we'd be reminded of things we learned last week and we can continue and finish the lesson this week. I would pray, Father, that you would help us to be men and women who are wise, men and women who are prudent, men and women who are yielded to your will. We pray, Father, in your son's name, Jesus, for these things. Amen. Well, last week we started off, and I want to share with you that I am so thankful for those who love the truth. You know, the Bible says that, that the love of truth is what's going to keep us on that road to heaven. But it also says in the scriptures in the last time, a lot of people are going to fall away from that. They're, they're going to give up a love of the truth and they're going to love something else. And so the question is, is are we a people who are going to continue to love the truth? Because when we read that scripture from Jesus, he says that if we will give, he's got us covered. And I found in my life in the, some of the most difficult times, when there was very little money, that God always seemed to provide a way. 
You know, we've seen miracles before and, and God is able to work in every area of our lives. So we need to recognize that God knows what the future holds and we can rest in him. And so as we take a look at this, like we looked at last week, you know, first of all, God desires that we would have confidence in his provision, that he has our future already taken care of. And we must trust his sovereignty. But he's given us free will. He's given us a mind. He's given us the word. And therefore, he's calling us to also be frugal with that which he has given. It's time now, if not, have you haven't already, to begin to build a mindset for being frugal, using God's money as would be best for your family and the family of God. And then finally, to be prudent. You know, remember the, uh, the, the virgins, the ten virgins. There were ten that were not prepared for the day of the Lord. And there were, or, excuse me, there were five that were not prepared for the day of the Lord. And five were. And notice, they were given to prepare themselves for that day. And we recognize also, too, that God will provide. As we looked at last week in regards to Joseph and the great famine that was to come, God, years before that famine took place, made sure that he had the right man in the right place to take care of his people Israel. And so we need to know that God is sovereign and that he will take care. But notice there was wisdom in Joseph's preparation. And so as we've been learning about the man, Joseph, even this morning, so we need to be wise as he was. And again, be prudent in setting aside for what the future may hold. In fact, that's always been the way God's people should have been operating, but now I think even more so. But remember last week we talked about really three things, one of three things, and that is the liberality in which we give. That's why that promise by Jesus Christ is so important. If we will train ourselves to trust him, and when we see needs in the body of Christ, that we would have already prepared to and laid aside so that we can provide for those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I want to take a look now at the last two points. Take a look at your lesson plan. The point number two is we really do need to learn to be content. Be content. I know that in my life, and sometimes even now, I struggle with contentment. Now, contentment is not just to sit back and go, okay, I'm going to put it on autopilot. I'm happy just the way I am. I'm not going to build. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to strive. That's not what this is about. The contentment here, and you might want to jot it down, am I a godly person? Am I a truly content person? Well, you know, a godly person, again, is going to put Christ first. Godliness means to be well-pleasing in our conduct, to be quiet, undisturbed, and at peace in any circumstance or situation because we know God is in control. Now, I have to be honest with you. Worry is a litmus test. It's a litmus test, a test to see if really we are trusting. You see, if we are godly, 
we will know that if we continue to do the right thing as God has laid it out in the scriptures, that he is going to provide. Therefore, we can have peace, which leads now to contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, as we looked at earlier this morning, it says we need to be content. We didn't bring anything into this world and we're not going to take anything out of this world. Therefore, we need to be content with what we have. Actually, we should be overflowing with gratitude for what we have because what we have, God has given to us. The amazing temporary, temporary wealth the amazing temporary freedom that we still are experiencing in the United States is actually a gift from God as he granted it to us through the wisdom of our founders. And so we still, because of the strength of the development of our country, we still today have the greatest wealth for the common man, the middle class, than has ever been before. And so by that standard, if we're going to compare ourselves with other peoples around the world, we are the richest. The top 3% is last time I checked. That's absolutely crazy when we think about, well, I don't have enough. Maybe it's because we have too much and we haven't learned to be content with what we have. But trusting God no matter what the future holds is so important. Because if we're always going to be running after more money, there may come a day when the money isn't there. And so are we prepared? You turn your page on the back side, point number two, have I learned to be content? Do I even know how to learn to be content? You know, the apostle Paul was forced to be, to learn to be content. And maybe that's what will happen to us. But wouldn't it be nice if we learned beforehand how to be content? Well, I want to define the word content, and you might want to write it down. It's not what you think. Again, you know, resting on your loyals, I'm happy with everything, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to grow, I'm not going to strive. That's not contentment. The word contentment, to have a quiet mind and heart with peace, joy, and trust in God's provision. To have a quiet mind and heart with peace and joy and trust in God's provision. There are so many things that are outside of our control. And those things that are outside of our control can absolutely destroy us if we don't understand that they're outside of our control. The things that are in our control, then we have a responsibility to. For those things outside of our control, we need to be responsible in, in looking forward, planning ahead, but also, too, with our attitude and our mindset of what is to come. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. Turn back with me to the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Here he talks about learning to be content in light of his life circumstances. In verse 10, now I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I've learned to be content 
in whatever circumstances I am. Well, let me, let me change that up again. I am content. I am quiet of heart and mind, having peace and joy, no matter the circumstance, because I know God is in control and he's promised to provide. See, that's what Paul is really saying there. I can have peace no matter the circumstance, for I know that God will provide. Now, Paul obviously uh, had to learn that. Look at verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now I want to go back to this and spend a little bit of time in this one little statement where he says, I have learned the secret. It's not common for the human soul to be content. You have to learn to be content. Where are you going to learn that? Paul obviously learned that when he went forth to serve the Lord and found himself in prison, found himself you know, in danger of rivers, in danger of robbers, in dangers of false brethren, in dangers of shipwrecks, in danger of being stoned and left for dead, and all these things. He had one focus in his mind. And it wasn't the situation and circumstance in which he lived. The secret of contentment is to have a single focus. What was his single and only focus? What was it? That must be ours. Because if it's not, if it's focused on the job, if it's focused on here, it's focused on, if it's not focused on that single focus of getting as many people into heaven as possible, you're not going to be content. Because this life is not fair and this life is filled with uncertainty and your purpose and reason for being is a choice that you make and you need to be resolute. If you're resolute, it doesn't matter the situation or circumstance. You keep serving the Lord to draw more people in and God take care, takes care of the rest. What did Jesus say again? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are all these things talking about? We've read that so many times before. We know. What are all these things? Food, clothing, needs. Paul is one, or Jesus once again is saying the same thing he said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. You keep giving to build my kingdom and I have you covered. The single focus we see here where Paul learned the secret, he learned the secret by suffering of destitution because he was committed to serving the Lord and he knew that Jesus would provide until the day he was taken from this life. Now, I'm going to be praying for my brother in Christ, Sasha Yashnikov. My prayer is, is that he would be content 
But I have to be honest, as I'm in my mind thinking about that situation, he's now being forced to make choices, isn't he? He's forced to make choices right now. He didn't have to make that choice before, but now he does. My prayer is, is that he has grown to a point where Christ is always first and foremost so that in prison he will be content and take advantage of the opportunities as the Apostle Paul did even when he was completely lost everything, he was still serving the Lord and the Lord blessed him. See, that's the secret here. The secret that he learned, that he was forced to learn. We can learn right now. When it's relatively easy, we can learn right now. If you think about it, should we not, as Americans who have so much, should we not be thank, overflowing with gratitude and thanksgiving for the freedom that we have, the, the amazing wealth that we have, the, the, the ability to gather together without fear? See, we are in a great time and a great place in Christ in this country. But that's not a guarantee, is it? So now we should be overflowing with gratitude with what we have, knowing that no matter what the future holds, our needs will be met. Which means what? Air, water, enough food, which I have more than enough food, as you can tell, and clothing. I have more than one suit. I won't even need a suit someday, probably. I won't even have a suit someday, probably. I won't need a suit. You see, we have this mindset that, 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 and I'm saying we, me is included, that man, if I don't have the next widget or gadget, oh, life is in despair. If I don't have two cars, if I don't have three, life is in despair. We, we have a warped sense of reality in regards to this life. With food and clothing, we ought to be content. We didn't bring anything into this world, and we're not taking anything out. I laugh sometimes when I hear people being buried in their truck or buried in their car with all their stuff in their car. And people actually do that. It's like, are you kidding me? It reminds me when they opened up one of the tombs back in the Middle East. You know what they found? They found a lot of skeletons. They, had, they found this beautiful carriage and all the gold and everything in it. And the horses died. And uh, the, the servants that were fanning the queen died right there. And guess what? Her carcass was there as well. Didn't get to take anything. See, there's, there's, I would say, living proof. Nah, it's not so living. There's actual proof that it doesn't work. We, we need to learn contentment right now by Jesus first, no matter what the circumstance. Because the devil wants us to take our eyes off our one purpose, our one mission, our one vision of being with him, perfect in glory. You know, a lot of stuff's going to come our way. A lot of stuff has already come our way. And I'm not talking about 
you know, economic collapse. I'm talking about just crazy life situations that can destroy. Where's our focus? What's most important? Are we going to continue to strive for that? That's the secret. Notice what he says here. We've quoted this verse all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to rely on Christ and fulfill his purpose. And his purpose is that we glorify him no matter what and we seek and save the lost no matter what. Now, I know there's a lot of churches out there that are preaching all sorts of different things, but I want to preach to be prepared for whatever the future holds. But I, I want to I close with the last point. We need to get a really good working model of what this looks like. Go back with me to the book of Acts in chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, many of you have gone through me, gone through with me the elementary teachings and I take a, a pause after immersing someone into Christ and ask the question what was the first century church devoted to they were devoted to reading their bible every day they were devoted to hanging out with each other as often as possible they were devoted to remembering the lord's sacrifice each first day of the week they were devoted to prayer and being overflowing with gratitude in prayer but they were also devoted to making sure that the family of God was taken care of. Well, we'll take a look. Acts chapter 2. And uh, look at verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions. And were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were sharing their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. So let me suggest to you that I probably have a lot more junk that I could sell to help those who have need. That was a terribly big fat lie. I don't probably have. I have a lot of stuff. I go out in the shop. Come out over to my shop and help me clean it out. A lot of that stuff I've been thinking of throwing in the, just throwing, just taking it to the dump. But a lot of that stuff has value to other people. What if I do a yard sale and sell it all and put that money aside for a rainy day for the family of God? We have yard sales for ourselves. I've done that before for myself. I want this new gizmo, so I'm going to get rid of all my old gizmos to get the new gizmo. Right? But what if we did that? And wait for the time when we hear of a need and then we have money to share to meet that need. 
It says they had all things in common. Are we willing to share our stuff? Are we willing to share our skills, talents, and abilities and resources? I think the church in the first century looked a lot different than the American church. Take a look at, at, at Acts chapter 4. If it wasn't enough the first time, he gives us another glimpse. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. How can you have that mindset? The American mindset is, I bought it, I worked hard for it, it's mine. God's okay with private property ownership, but we got to remember something. Everything that we had or have was given to us by who? God. God. Honestly, if we're going to boil it all down, our intellect, our skill set, whatever it is that we sell in the marketplace, that was given to us by God. And so whatever we have in resources, that's because we have it because it was given to us by God. So really, we need to get the mindset that we need to be open to sharing from a heart of love, a love of God, and a love of his people. It goes on in this passage of scripture, and it says, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. For there, there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would distribute them each as any had need. And, and now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and he owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money that was laid at the apostles' feet. Did you know that it was relatively peaceful at that time in church history? It was relatively peaceful. The persecutions hadn't started yet. Do you remember when the persecution started? Hard and heavy on the church. Starts in Acts chapter 7. This is a relative time of peace a relative time of prosperity that we're reading about. And what were they doing during that relative time of peace, that relative time of prosperity? What was the first century church doing? They were mentally preparing because of what was to come, but they were, they were what? Putting the kingdom first. Putting the kingdom first. Putting the people of God first. They wanted to make sure that everybody had enough. And it wasn't like there was a benevolence account. It was like we see needs and we're going to provide for those needs. That's another reason why we should probably start taking our meals together. So that we can be talking and hearing about things going on in people's lives. I'm guilty of not doing that. I'm not saying that what I've done is right, not engaging more. But by the nature of the work I do and the time I spend with many, I hear things and then I'm able to help. But maybe we should all be in that process. May it come a day that we would need to be in that mindset. But let's practice now. 
Why did I act, pick Acts 2 and Acts 4? That's a, that's like a, well, that's a no-brainer, sharing and caring. I did because it was during a time of relative peace in the church and relative prosperity. They weren't being gone after by the Romans or the Jews yet. So it's a beautiful picture. We can now prepare. We ought to prepare now. And if you have a need, you should probably quietly share it if you can't make it work. You know what I found is oftentimes when you share a need, there's blue jean angels that'll come over and actually help you with that need. And if there's resources, there seems to be resources available for those blue jean angels. I've heard there's more squadron people coming in. You know what it's really all about is hearing about a need and stepping up and providing for that need. Each one of us can do that. And you don't have to let people know. Remember the right hand and the left hand shouldn't know what it's doing. And if you need a little help, maybe bring other one other brother or sister alongside to help make that happen. That's really what we're talking about here. I honestly don't know what the future holds. I've been scolded by some. Why well, you keep talking like you know, like you're a prophet. I'm not a prophet. Don't know what the future holds. But wouldn't it be better if we were mentally, spiritually, ready and prepared? That's what this is really all about. Again, let me close with this thought. To begin to learn liberality. To begin to be overflowing with gratitude for what we have right now. And appreciate it and not take it for granted. But actually begin, as we just finished, using it to be a blessing to the family. Be willing to share that you have needs. Be willing to share to fulfill others' needs. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful that you have given us so much. Now we pray that we would be courageous and trust fully in you in fulfilling the great call that you've called us. You've called us out of uh, darkness into your marvelous light that we might proclaim your excellencies. The one who has called us into your marvelous light. Father, I would ask that we can proclaim those excellencies by the very life we live. As Jesus gave himself, his whole life was given as a sacrifice for our salvation. I pray that we would grow that mindset like the Apostle Paul. He learned to be content no matter what the situation or circumstance. Help us to begin to learn that now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up, get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's get her done. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, 
please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.